Hello and welcome to Radio SGN. I'm one of your humble hosts, A.V. Eichenbaum. Pronouns they, them, and back in the saddle. Welcome her back. It's uh, Lindsay Anderson. Lindsay, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Man, it has been a week for me. Moving, spraining my ankle. I look haggard. Luckily, this isn't a video (laughs) podcast, but there's a lot of moving and changing going on and it takes its toll. You know, I'm not the spry young 19 year old I was almost 10 years ago now. Oh, my God, that's crazy. You're so old. I'm really not. And I know this because all my friends are older than me. So (laughs) shout out to my five friends that I have scattered around the country like, you know, mythical beasts. Last week, we had Benny on the show as co-host. They did a great job. And we talked a lot about Target. And guess what, gang? We're going to be talking a little bit about Target again because there's been a development. Target pulled all of their Pride merch from select stores, especially in the southern states, I believe. They were citing concerns over employee safety. And because of that, some of those creators that were responsible for the Pride line and the trans-specific stuff have been seeing a lot of business on their Etsy pages, which is crazy. So it's bad on the whole, but good in the short term. That's how I'm reading it right now. What do you think, Lindsay? I don't know. It feels a little fishy. It feels like Target is kind of trying to appeal to everybody, you know, in that kind of Donald Trump. There are bad people on both sides. I don't know. My partner used to work for Target in Target's Starbucks. And from their experiences, Target does not care about the safety of employees that much. There was like a whole thing where some crazy guy came in and like pepper sprayed a bunch of people and they were just like, well, five minute break and get back on the floor. So I don't know if it's necessarily like legitimate, this safety concern thing. But I think it is good that the creators of these clothing lines are seeing independently away from Target profits, especially because supporting artists outside of major corporations that are just trying to capitalize on them for a month is probably the best way to get your pride apparel anyways. Yeah. And it's not like they're pulling it from every store. Yeah. So like these small creators are still getting that money from this giant company. And the one that Dan wrote about in the national news highlights, his name is Eric Carnell. He had to shut down his Etsy page because it was overwhelmingly being supported by people that liked the merch. So he's also got a little bit more edgy stuff on his Etsy page, stuff that Target wouldn't sell. Satan respects pronouns and trans healthcare now. That's pretty rad. Yeah. Do you know what you're going to wear this pride? You know, I'm probably going to wear a lot of Seattle Gay News merch, which you can get on Redbubble. We don't see a lot of those profits because it is Redbubble and they are kind of an evil corporation, but we don't have the means to, you know, develop and print more shirts outside of Redbubble. So it's sort of a passive production thing, but we have original designs up on Redbubble that you can get to show your pride. You can go to sgn.org and click on the shop button. Sorry, that turned into me shilling, but I will probably genuinely be wearing my Seattle Gay News retro Valentine's Day tank top again. Nice. That is a cool design. I will probably just wear a Seattle Gay News t-shirt as well. Just the classic. Well, I took the... So we have that limited edition pride t-shirt that is only available at our booths when we go and do these events. And I have three of them (laughs) I purchased. I got one for free for working and I purchased a few just to help out the rest of the crew, right? And I just ripped the sleeves off of one of them and I look punk as hell wearing it. And it's nice. Oh, you got to wear that. You got to wear the punk SGN shirt at some point. I'm absolutely going to do that at Pride proper, not Pride in the Park, though. Nice. Well, if you want to see all of our cool Pride outfits, check us out on Broadway and the Seattle Center during Pride Fest. Check us out at Pride in the Park in Volunteer Park. Just check us out in general. There's a map so you can find where you can check out our paper. You can tell it's Pride season because we're a little frazzled. We have a lot more work to do this month. I've never felt more like I could relate to Christmas elves in December than like working at the gay newspaper in June. God, I wish that was the case for me, but I used to work in retail shipping, which means that for six Christmases, I worked the busiest time of year for shipping with the most insane people. So this, even though this is our busiest time of year, it is not nine hours of making sure people's Christmas gifts get where they're supposed to go. I was a full-on Christmas elf for six Christmases. It's wild. You know what else is wild? These ads. 
History begins somewhere, and in Seattle, LGBTQ plus history began in Pioneer Square. As early as the 1930s, LGBTQ plus folks started coming to this neighborhood to form community, make friends, meet lovers, care for those who were sick, and fight for their rights. On Square One, from History Link, hear stories from people who live this history firsthand and those who want to keep this history alive. Square One is available wherever you find your podcasts. Hi, this is Dr. V. Hill with V. Hill Family Medicine. Ever wish your doctor knew you by name, understood where you were coming from, and listened to your unique health concerns and worries? I have built just such a practice where the focus is on you and the care delivered is in line with your values and ideals. Learn more about affirming primary care at V. Hill Family Medicine. Visit VIGILMD.com or call 253-693-0071. Joining me today for their third time on the show, returning champion of interviews. It's great to have you back. We discussed this. We're not quite sure what you're promoting today, but they're from Save the D8. They do a whole bunch of other stuff. You can catch them as a tour guide in Pioneer Square. Be sure to tip extra. Uh, Monica Domena is in the studio, so to speak, today. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Other than sweating to death. I'm sweating. It's warm in my apartment. I'm moving. So I'm in between meetings and emails today. I'm painting and patching up holes on my apartment because I want to get that deposit back. You know, I've been right. here five years and I'm like, those bastards are giving me that money. <laughs> it's been interesting because it's an interesting time for the newspaper. If you guys are listening to this in real time, it's the first week of Pride Month. You guys know how I am. I threw my resume in the direction of Vice News. And not six hours later, they announced that they were going bankrupt. So I'm feeling good. I tore down Vice News with just the power of thought. What can we send you to next? What do we want to kill? Fox? Perfect. Yeah. How are you? What's new with you? You're married now. You weren't I last am. time. We, I mean, I was there, but still. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, am, I am married now. I actually, I just was thinking about it. Month of May is actually, this is our fifth year of Save the D8. Wow. Isn't that wild? Yeah, because I've been listening since episode one, and I'm up to date, which means I've been listening to this fucking show yeah. every week for five years. Five years. Man. Isn't that, yeah. Isn't that yeah. Wild? That is bonkers. It's a good show. There are other shows where I've fully taken just time, other D&D shows specifically. I still listen to The Adventure Zone. Wow. McElroy's. I know. Yeah, who does that? I know. Uh, How is uh, it? right now it's fine they're playing blades in the dark right yeah. now but it's like a disney a super futuristic disney adjacent blades in the dark so like it scratches an itch in my brain because i have this nearly morbid obsession with mega corporations and big consumer product corps sure and so does justin mcelroy who is gming this blades in the dark thing and he's like yeah, I've created a criminal underground in a Disney like allegory. Like it's like a Disneyland situation. Sure. And I'm like, I know a lot about this criminal underground in the real world just because of my, you know. Yeah. yeah. I'm caught up. I did a one shot with your DM, Evan, recently. That was yeah. cool. I don't know where that's going to air, but you're hearing it here first, folks. It's a cyberpunk one. Ah, yeah. yeah. Uh, was that for no latency? It might be for no latency. He said he he might do it in between seasons of Save the D8, too. He wasn't sure where he was going to fit it yet. You might be hearing my dulcet tones on a different show, folks. That's fun. Yeah, it is fun. That's good. Well, when I was on last time, we talked about the premise of this campaign being because yeah. we're world hopping we have the potential to hop into different systems and different worlds and it's finally happening. Yeah, I'm really stoked to do that. I know that, can I say who the first one is? Is that yeah, all right? So absolutely. I know Bjorn from Dice Jailers, which is a Twitch channel you can go find out. I guess just shout out all of the people we know. But yeah. Also Seattle locals. Seattle also, locals, yeah. Some, some queers in that one. Absolutely. Definitely. I'm looking forward to that. I, Evan and you, we both talked about me potentially DMing yeah. in the near future, which I'm stoked about. And I might as well just announce this now. I'm working on my own D&D &D show, and you're a part of the cast, and it's called Tellers of Tales. You heard it here first. You heard wow. it here literally first. I haven't even finished designing the logo because I've been so busy with this work stuff. But I figure, you know, as, as long as 
I'm doing stuff. We're all doing stuff. Things are in the wind. We might as well announce it now and make it really happen. Speak it into existence. Yeah, as exactly. It were. We could talk about that if you want. I would love to. Yeah, if you want. Absolutely. It's, it's your yeah. Thing, so. Well, I appreciate that, but it's our thing. It's the cast. I mean, I've created this world. I've been a DM for like God since I was like 15, so almost 14 years, and it's been on and off. My first groups were like just friends with Pathfinder and stuff, right? Sure. And then I slowly over time, every time I would DM, I just improvised something and then I just built it into a world. And every time that I've done that, like I have a home game going right now with the two other people who are going to be on the show, Dana Winter and Addison, who just has a single name right now, just Addison. I love Um, that for them. Yeah. But yeah, the world is very, I started when I was 15. And so there were a lot of problems early on that I'm trying to fix. I know you've looked at the world. The world is Ionesha. During the pandemic, I created a softer second continent that's just animal folk, no humans. Delightful. But you're planning on playing an artificer, which is very exciting. Yeah, this is my first time. I also, that's funny, I also started with Pathfinder. I guess a lot of people did. And with 5e, I have now played everything other than a monk. But this will be my first time playing an artificer. And I'm excited about that because it's crunchy. It's crunchy as all hell. Well, that's very Pathfinder-esque, right? Exactly. Everything about Pathfinder is just you get into the crunch. And so I thought I was like a rules light GM Mm -hmm. because I was like, I don't know, we're going to figure it out. And there's a lot of math and whatever. And then I got to 5e and I was like, oh, I'm an ass. Like, I'm a real hard ass about this. There are like no rules here to adhere to. And transferring the world over to 5e has not been hard because it's just a setting kind of like Eberron, I think, as a Pathfinder. And so did Critical Role's whole deal was a Pathfinder campaign before they started. I'm looking forward to playing with the mechanics that I have that I've taken from Pathfinder and jammed into, you know, 5e. Like we use corruptions and madness points. Yeah, but we don't have Which to talk about it. by the way. I, thank you. I So my first like D&D book or Pathfinder TRPG book was Pathfinder first edition horror adventures. Yeah. And that was crazy. So they're like, hey, corruptions happen. People turn into werewolves and shit. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. I have always loved really any TRPG that incorporates corruption and madness because I think it's really fun to play with. And I'm also, you know, a weirdo. I guess. Yeah. As- well, the madnesses, there are sanity points, right? Sanity points I love from like Call of Cthulhu and all those other things. But they don't really translate to 5e. So I had to like figure out what a good way to incorporate those was. And I had a homebrew game for like three years. Mm-hmm. It's a Pathfinder game for three years. And we used these madnesses. And I was like, how do I bring this into 5e? I looked it up and every single DM that was like, I use sanity points in my 5e games. were like the worst people on the internet you've ever seen. Like the madnesses are supposed to be like sort of fantasy madnesses or like allegorical almost, right, in my mind, because mental health, mental illness is a real thing. But then one of these DMs was like, here are all of the madnesses I forced my players to use because I'm twisted, bro. And it's like, the first one is like, nymphomania. And I'm like, you cannot do that at a safe table. There is no way that anyone's into this. And it's like, sadomasochism with nymphomania. It was awful. It was terrible. And I was like, okay, well, we're not doing that. Let's go back to the basics, I guess. Paranoia is one that I really like to play with. Yeah. But, yeah you're a DM too. I have dabbled for sure. Do you use 5e mostly or do you, what do you do? What do you do? Yeah. I find that 5e is the easiest for people to jump into. You know, I tend to, when I run games, I run them with mostly actors or, you know, whatever people who are sort of used to improv and sort of acting on the fly and living, uh, you know, truthfully in imaginary circumstances, blah, 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 whatever. It's much harder to convince those kinds of people to be like, hey, by the way, so there's a decent amount of math in this. And you need to remember that with your dominant hand, when you do an attack, it's plus five. But when you do it with your off hand, it's plus three and a half. It's it's like very, uh, no, no one wants to do it. I have a hard enough time being like, okay, you have to roll a d20 and then add (laughs) Lower. <laughs> no, but yeah, I do tend to like 5e. It is, it's simple. It is yeah. simple. So it's much easier to explain it to people. And I also feel that most people have the most familiarity with it. People that are, you know, that have never played, but they've still watched Critical Role or they've, you know, listened to the Adventure Zone or whatever. They or like have Dimension some sort of familiarity. Or, or Dimension yeah. 20, exactly. They have familiarity with the system. 
Yeah. I do. And I I think the other thing that I like about 5e is its ability to sort of just like toss shit out and also bring shit in. Yeah. It's just a very bare bones sort of system to like give you a very loose outline of what you're doing and then you have the room to customize it as you want. I think that's what's really nice about it. There's this push now towards like old school RPGs mm-hmm. coming back, which I have mixed feelings about it. I signed up on the Kickstarter for Shadow Dark, which mm-hmm. is it's old school style. Like I have the advanced D&D playbook, like the books at home that I've used and pulled inspiration from. And I like the aesthetic of it, but it's like some of the rules with D&D 5e specifically, you roll a d20, you add a simple number, you know, it's almost never more than 10. And then it's like, does it work? And they're like, yes or no. And that's most of it. That's the basics. Like there are other things, but like with some of these return to form pen and paper TTRPGs, it's like, oh, well, kind of like with Pathfinder, like your AC is six things all factored into one. And you have to calculate that every time because there's not a space on it. There is for Pathfinder, but there's not a space on it for the sheet. Or like I picked up Troika recently, if you heard of that. It's a 2D6 system. So you use D6s exclusively. Sure. But depending on the kind of roll, you read it as 6 and 6. So it's like a 5 and a 6 would be the number 56. Or sure. you add it up. And then depending on the kind of roll, it's like you want to get higher or lower. And it depends on what kind of character you have. The one good thing, like it's fun and it's the one really good thing about it is character creation is almost entirely random. So they just, you roll 2d6 and then you flip to where those two numbers are in the book. And it's like, this is your background. That's all you need to know to play this game. And that's pretty rad. Yeah, that is. But then like the actual in-game mechanics are a little bit, there's a huge learning curve, even though it's a lot simpler other ways. Well, yeah. And I like, like, there are things that people change from 5e or that, or like that Pathfinder has, you know, you're put at AC versus your whatever. All of that makes sense. Yeah, your, you know, how easy it is to hit you matters on whether you were expecting it and whether you're whatever, close to the person. If you're touching them, you're going this way, you know, right, all of that yeah. makes sense. But also it slows down your gameplay pretty significantly, which some people like, you know, mm-hmm. the fun to them is the calculation and stuff is the crunch. But I think the current move in D&D specifically is towards storytelling and away from mechanics, which is exactly why there's this push, I think, in the gaming sphere to get back to the basics. It's like, get, you know, get those whatever storytellers, get those. Right. (laughs) Whatever. Get them out of here. I want to go back to doing war. I don't know. I always thought that the story was more important, like no matter what you're doing. And I found that. 95% 95% of the players I've played with agree. Yeah. And then some of them are like, hey, it's been two sessions and we've only had like a couple of rounds of combat because I like to do really quick combat. Sure. You know, it's almost like vampire rules where it's like, this could kill you immediately because you started a fight with someone way bigger than you and you're level two. Yeah. Like, why would I give you a fair chance, you know, get out of the situation as quickly as possible? Otherwise, the authorities will kill you if, you, you know, I don't... Yeah. This may surprise nobody, but I don't have like, you know, lawful, trustworthy guards in most of the parts of my world and my setting. What? I <laughs> Building a world over a series of years has been really interesting because, you know, you look back at what you were intended to do and you edit it. I'm building this huge lore dump history thing, which you've seen parts of. And I like built a calendar and everything, which is yeah. insane. I need a hobby, though. Right. So this is my hobby. <laughs> I love it. Are you kidding me? I have a, I'm having a great time. I actually, I didn't know that you like started this whatever, however many years ago. I, That's wild. I'm so obsessed with that. The seeds for this world were planted during my first home game where my friend Alex, Alex Spate and his youngest brother, who at the time was like 11, they were like, hey, we got Pathfinder. Do you want to play? And I was like, sure. And they're like, well, we need someone to GM. I was like, okay. So they just took out the pre-rolled character sheets he was a wizard and a fighter and i was like so you just roll and we just go for it you know i didn't know any of the rules or anything and we ended up playing for a full afternoon it was like a four hour session and i created a whole dungeon for them to crawl through that was the lore behind it became that it was like an abandoned elven shopping mall he found his own body in the closet and i was like well how is that gonna come back around and then the wizard was fucking around with some arcane shit and so it like created a time loop and it was just really fun it was like and it was all just off the top of my head 
And they were like, we have to keep doing this all the time. And so I was like, okay, sure. And then we would like rotate GMs. And I have this buddy, Paul, who did not take any of it seriously at all. Everything we he did was wild. Like we had an Ent that was like part of a ship that was granting wishes for some reason, but they were all very specific. So he had like this cheat code for the game. Anyway, not important. I'm looking back at like, I wrote the first version of the lore doc when I was on shift at McDonald's. Like I was like wow. bored at work and I was like, I got my phone, I can do this. I was like maybe 18 or 19. And the gnomes are a thing that I keep coming back to because I created them as an allegory for the American school system. Like I was thinking about like, I've been put through a very specialized way. Like I went through an early college academy and I'm like, okay, so these this is how, in my mind, school works. You're plopped out, you're tested, and they put you into a track based on what they perceive is your specialty. And then you continue to go on that track, and most people don't like it, but that's how it is, right? right. And so I'm like, well, what if a whole society did this of fantasy creatures? And so I, I was like, oh, okay. And then I accidentally created gnomish eugenics and had to like walk it back because I was like, this is awful. These, this is terrifying. And I guess that says a lot about what I feel about the American <laughs> school system, where, you know, it's deeply, deeply troubling that, like, I've been told my whole life, oh, you're smart and you're going to get ahead. And then it's like, well, that's not really how the world works. Well, right? and look at you. Now you've killed three businesses. I've so <laughs> not yet. We're still fighting. Have we alienated all of your listeners by now, by the way? I don't know. I don't know. Hard. No, I don't know. I think that so our editor right now, Dan, shout out Dan Lindsley. For the show, he, he's been doing our sound design for the last couple of episodes. He's a big D&D guy. Yep. So maybe he's into it. How's working in Pioneer Square? Oh, God. How are the tourists this season? Well, tourism is back. It's back in a big way. You sound so excited about that. Yeah. No, I mean, I really do. I really do love working in tourism. Like, it's, I think it's entertaining. Like, I love doing what I do. But it's just, I don't know. I'm having a really hard time recently reckoning with the fact that like we straight up showed that the society that we've built doesn't care for any of us and it's not really helping any of us and i don't know how i'm supposed to get up and like still function and like operate in the society that inherently has told me to fuck off yeah i think about that a lot as well because you know I, it's not like i'm making buku bucks over here i'm not in this job specifically for the money but yeah. i remember any job that i've worked otherwise it's like i come away and i feel a little bit ripped off at the end of the day. And it, that's because that's what's happening. When you put your labor into something that is actively focusing on making money, you're never going to get paid what you're worth because, you know, your labor actively creates with the capital that they're selling. So they are ripping off workers right and left. And they have been since the system was sort yeah. of birthed. Oh, and, yeah. And that's really sad, but it's also something that we all have to do every day in order to continue to survive. It sucks. Like, I, I don't know. I also have trouble getting up in the morning because I'm like, well, we're doing a good thing and I love it, but it's I can't afford lunch, you know. Yeah. But how I, I don't know. There's there is a wind of change in the air, right? Like there's a sense of more and more people that I'm talking to, even people that aren't journalists or aren't like really even paying attention are like, yeah, I think. America's ending. Right. No, yeah. you, it really does feel that way. And I know that like every generation is like, oh, the world's going to end while, you know, in my lifetime or my kid's lifetime. Yeah. But eventually one of us is going to be right. And it feels like it's closer. <laughs> if, you know, climate change doesn't get us, I don't think that America as it stands is going to continue to function for another two decades. I don't think that it can function. Maybe I'm a little bit more optimistic than you. Maybe another like two generations, maybe is what I, but I yeah. mean, there's a certain point where, and I feel like this is more and more true with Gen Z, mm -hmm. that like things are going to get worse before they get better. But I do think that a lot of Gen Z is like, yeah, we don't hold these whatever like idea that we've been fed by that at least millennials were fed by boomers of like, oh yeah, this is what you do. This is your timeline. You go to school, you go to college, you get married, you have your house and you have your career and whatever, because that doesn't exist for us. Right. Yeah. We were taught growing up that we would have that. Gen Z, I think, very much never had that sort of hope placed in front of them because it just wasn't the reality of mm -hmm. what was happening. 
Yeah. And I yeah. think that the more that we move towards that, the sort of greater, dare I say, class consciousness, maybe. Maybe. Uh, is that too optimistic? That I don't it's, know. It's rolling in younger generations? Like, well, I hope so. My sense of optimism right now stems from the fact that the average age of an empire is 250 years before its collapse. That's something that keeps going around. We're about 250 years old as a nation. And we are an empire. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. We have been. And I think people might argue that. But how much cooler would our, like, government officials' clothing be and, like, our military be if we admitted that we were an empire? I feel like if we were just, like, putting that money towards... If we're not going to put it towards, you know, veteran benefits, we might as well be putting it into sick-ass uniforms. Aesthetics. Yeah. That's something that we inherently lack (laughs) as a, you know, as a terrible... R- ruling country. Well, well there we was have good aesthetics. Where's my dystopian, like just insane bullshit? I think the flag looks pretty evil sometimes. Like if it's done right, that's true. That's true. It I can. Sh- every sure. time I see it on a paper plate, I'm like, ooh, <laughs> sinister. <laughs> you know, that's illegal to do that technically. It's yeah, it like goes against the we flag. Go back. I, you know what? Fuck it. Let's iron fist it. I think we should go back to getting serious about this stuff. Remember the guy who was like a war criminal that we were all worshiping for a little bit that used the Punisher logo? Oh, I was going to say every American president, but sure, yeah, oh, yeah, but, but yes, the Punisher logo. Like he used, he fully was wearing a skull, and now a bunch of cops have those on their cars. If that's not aesthetic in a way, like if that's not like the Nazis also wore skulls. You know, you ever think they turn to each other and are like, hey, are we we fucked up, right? I don't know if anyone does that right now because it's changing your mind is like un-American. Right. So. Admitting you're wrong. Yeah. Or inherently caring about the person next to you or just the fact that you are not the only real character in the life that you're walking around in. American solipsism is truly astounding to me because you find these guys that are like they were like that and they're like bro then i like did dmt and listened to a bunch of joe rogan and i'm still exactly the same but now i've done dmt (laughs) (laughs) you know and it's or like they twist it so like we're all connected dude which means i know that and i'm the most important person on the planet right it's really truly something isn't it anyway hey to take us out of that Save the D8. Yeah, check out Save the D8. Our fifth year. This is our fifth year, which is, again, wild. Evan, I probably mentioned this the last time I was on, that Evan very much told us that he was like, yeah, I expected it to go on for like a couple months and then for us to never meet again. Right. But through sheer, I think, stubbornness, we've managed to have two campaigns across five years. When this is coming out, we have just, I think maybe a week or two back, we've released our 50th episode of our second campaign. Wow, uh, that's dedication. And you guys are one of the one of, if not the most popular show on your network right now as we, well. We are, yeah, we are the most popular show on our network. We have just, you know, hey, we have barreled through with pure spite. Yeah. Through COVID and through everything else, You're we like, are still going. We are going to be foolish. And that's that. Yes, exactly. We're going to have this time where we yell at each other. We're going to get on a call and yell at each other for four hours <laughs> at the at minimum. It is a good time. It's a good listen. I, of course, I recommend it. But yeah, where can people find you online? Everywhere or maybe nowhere. Find Save the D8 wherever you get your podcasts. Save the D8 is also on Instagram and Twitter. Save the D8 pod on both of those things. You can find me personally on Twitter and Instagram Twitter for as long as it lasts. Right. Yeah. A, a lot uh, of people are migrating back to Tumblr, which I feel is a bold oh, move. I'm on Tumblr, but you can't find me there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a completely different thing. Don't find me on Tumblr. Honestly, I want, listen, if you're out there, anyone with a blue sky invite, please, God, please, God, let me in. But yeah, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Monica Dominator spelled the usual way. And my Instagram is more like, oh, look at my dog. And my Twitter is more, wow, isn't civilization collapsing around us? So depending on how you feel, 
Yeah. Your Twitter also is a lot of critical role stuff. Oh, that's true. A yeah. lot of critical role stuff. Yeah. If you're like around me in any fashion, just vibes that I'm giving off are always critical role adjacent. So it's hard to <laughs> it's hard to miss it. Well, Monica, it's been a delight. Thank you for talking with me and yeah. having this conversation. Sorry I went off about D&D for like a thousand years. Uh, no, that's uh, what I'm here for. I'm kind of more apologizing to the listener, but... Um... <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I'm also apologizing to the listeners. I'm so sorry. Thank you for being on the show, and maybe we'll have you back sometime if we're still doing this in a year. Yeah. Hey, am I am I the guest you've had on the most? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We've had. Yeah. I think we've had two other repeat guests, and Perfect. you are you've been on the most. Yeah. Great. You you win. Congratulations. I win. Yeah. So win this show. Win SGN is inevitably still going next year. Of course. I, I have. We have to like keep me on. From this point on, every time I have you on, we're going to escalate it. It's just going to get more and more either nihilistic and depressive or just absurd. We're going to march people in and we're going to have like confetti cannons. It's an audio only podcast, so that'll confuse a lot of people. Yeah. But we're it's doing a terrible it. audio experience, but 100% dedicated to it. Yeah. All right. Well, back to the show. Hey, we're back. Thank you so much, Monica Domena, for being our guest on this week's show. I haven't heard the final rendition of that interview. Monica and I can talk for hours about D&D and kind of whatever. So you guys got the abbreviated version of that. But yeah, check out Tellers of Tales when it comes out. That's going to be my show. I'm going to be DMing with Monica and Dana and Addie. And we're going to try some fun stuff, play some D&D dungeon and or dragon it's gonna be a, it's gonna be rad so check that out not sure if it'll be on the seattle gate news podcasting network yet but we are gonna figure that out as soon as possible well folks ron DeSantis exists still oh my god yeah should we talk about the american fascism or the slovakian fascism first i said ron DeSantis. let's talk america well, he is officially running for president. And I mean, just a fun behind the scenes of the SGN look for y'all is that I wrote this piece, got it done by like Monday, Tuesday, sent it in with just kind of the blurb at the very end being like Ronda DeSantis is expected to, you know, make his announcement in the coming week or so. And literally like at the last possible second when our paper's about to go out to print, he makes his failed announcement. It crashed the Internet. <laughs> that he's running for president. I was like, well, now this is going to be inaccurate. So I was like frantic. I was in my improv class, too. And I was on break when I saw that he was running for president. I was like, um, can I update this article still? We stopped the presses for you, Lindsay, because this is important. Thank you. There were many emails. And because I've been out of the office because I, I live up a bunch of stairs and can't hobble my way down to the train station on a fucked up ankle. There was a lot of like, did you get the right copy? Is, go is this going on? But yeah, we got it. We managed it. So DeSantis is not the most technologically savvy person, which is not, you know, unusual for politicians. <laughs> We're seeing with all of these hearings and stuff, but he is running for president and he does know what he's doing when it comes to law. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the laws that he's put in motion. Two weeks ago, he signed a whole slew of bills into law, most of which are attacking specifically LGBTQ plus people. The first was a bathroom bill, which is now going to make it criminal trespassing if somebody uses the quote unquote wrong bathroom and is asked to leave. This bill is particularly damning for trans people because unlike other anti-trans bathroom legislation that states that you must use the bathroom that matches the sex on your birth certificate, this goes further to say that it needs to match the sex chromosomes that you had when you were born. So there's it really leaves no loopholes for if people are able to get updated documents after transitioning. Furthermore, it's just if you're kind of accused of being transgender. So a lot of people have pointed out that this could affect cis people as well, that if you're like a cis woman with a short haircut that dresses very masculine and they think that you are a trans guy in the women's bathroom, they can kick you out. And if you're trans and you're passing and you use the bathroom that DeSantis would assign you to use based on the sex hormones that you had when you were born, you could still be charged with trespassing because people would see you and think, you don't belong in this bathroom. So basically, it's just you can't pee in public or public restrooms. He's also passed several new education bills targeting education at every level. He expanded Don't Say Gay from 
pre-K to third grade to now going all the way up to 12th grade in every public school and private school as well as charter schools. He's also passed a lot of new laws that will affect what kinds of courses are approved for universities in the state of Florida. Again, this is public and private universities and that the board of directors need to approve all of these courses before they can be put into place in universities. And the board of directors is all appointed by the governor, who is Ron DeSantis. So it's just a lot. So when Fuhrer DeSantis comes to power, where are you going? Which country are you absconding to? I'm hoping to make it to Canada. I'm scouting out Toronto, where uh, Drake is from. And Drake is, you know, notoriously famous lesbian. You're going to be going down the six with your woes? Yeah, I'll have a lot of woes after Ron DeSantis comes to power. It's, oh God, I'm telling everybody in my family, everybody I know, honestly, I'm like, I'm going to move as far away from you as I can while staying on this continent, I think, because I got pets and I don't want to fly with them. Yeah, it's a bummer. I wanted to, I was thinking Italy, but they have a fascist in power right now, (laughs) like an actual fascist that is announced that they are, you know, pro-fascist. And that's wild. And I have family in Italy too, so I wouldn't just be alone. Italy would be beautiful. I would love Italy. Yeah, I mean, I speak a little bit of Italian. I'm not very good at it. I'm out of practice. But my mom, you know, raised us and she speaks French, Spanish and Italian. So I picked up a little bit here and there of all three of those languages. So I'm kind of set. France, I don't think I would necessarily go to. Maybe Paris, but I I just don't speak the language very well at all. Yeah, well, and as much as this kind of seems like a joke conversation... I'm not joking. (laughs) Okay, I was going to say, they've issued, like, legit travel advisories now where if you are a part of the LGBTQ community, they are not recommending you go to Florida. Correct, yeah. It's on par with a lot of countries right now that have for years, a lot of countries in the Caribbean, for example, that are anti-LGBTQ. We're talking about this like we're discussing the weather, but, like, we live in a country where mass shootings happen daily and people don't like us for who we love and how we identify you know, gender wise. And so this is our everyday reality. This is just what we live in. But yeah, I'm not joking around at all when I say that I've thought about other countries I could move to and sort of hide. Toronto is also on my list because I don't care for Vancouver that much. Oh, I love Vancouver. It's just so expensive. Yeah, I like a diverse city. You know, I liked New York when I visited and Toronto is like much bigger than New York. So that's pretty cool. Let's quickly switch gears. We're talking about international travel. Let's talk about international potential fascism. Slovakia is maybe voting on banning legal recognition of trans people. I got to write about this as one of the international news highlights. I'm just going to read you. It's a really quick blurb here that I typed up. There's a lot more information about it online. The EU activists that are against this are calling it a modern day Jewish star because Slovakia's parliament is set to vote to allow trans citizens to change their gender on documents only after taking a genetic test to prove that their gender has been, quote, wrongly identified. What does that mean? So it means that trans people would be able to change their given names, like their first names under a law to a feminine name, but not their gender marker without taking tests to say whether or not they have XY or XX chromosomes, just like with DeSantis's bathroom bill. But this is like a genetic test that the government would force people to take. And there are some reports that would say that they could change their surnames to represent their gender because in in Slovakian and in other sort of Slavic languages, surnames have gender identifying suffixes. So it's unclear whether or not they'd be allowed to change their surnames to match their gender identity or not. There were some reports that said they would, some reports that said they wouldn't. So even their change of name may not fully reflect their gender identity. And what will this mean for people in Slovakia? Will they lose certain rights or? Well, so it means that they would be identified in documents for their employers immediately. Slovakia is not the most progressive you know, country. I don't even think they have equal marriage right now. Basically, it means that they will be readily identified just by holding out their ID cards, much like DeSantis's bathroom bill here. If you look, you know, if you present female, but your marker says male, then people will be able to immediately identify and out you as being trans. And there is a lot of transphobic hatred in Eastern European countries. So Slovakia does have a liberal president, and it's believed that she will 
strike this bill down or that the constitutional court of Slovakia will invalidate it. But yeah, Hungary already passed a bill like this in 2020. And they're both members of the EU. The EU as a whole doesn't have a policy regarding, you know, the LGBT, what they call the LGBTI community. It's a little scary. There are also things that say that this could affect cisgender people as well because there are genetic diseases and disorders and medical conditions that would make genetic tests that they have, you know, misread like your chromosomes as well. So it's just bad all around. This is just one step. The reason it's being called the modern day Jewish star, right, is because to have in your paperwork that you are something, that you are trans or you are Jewish or you are whatever, is the first step into categorizing and identifying before putting us in prisons or rounding us up, you know? Yeah, that is terrifying. I was talking about this the other day. I'm non-binary and the person I'm dating is also non-binary. And we both just got our gender markers changed on our Washington IDs or licenses, right? And it was such a good feeling because I don't always take the time to present how I feel, right? But it was good to have that little X in the gender spot. It felt really nice and felt really affirming. It's like, yes, I've made it. I'm legally recognized as non-binary, even if people are going to fuck up my pronouns. It's okay because that, right? But if we have a president that is actively looking for trans and non-binary people and actively against the LGBTQ community, having that little marker on my identification could potentially be a huge problem if things go really south. And so there's this fear every day of, okay, who's the next person going to be? Who's in charge? I don't think Biden's going to be reelected because he is not well. He doesn't sound like he knows what he's doing, even though he has a lot of experience. He just seems sort of out of it. And I think a lot of people feel that way, right? Yeah. And it's terrifying. I've talked with a lot of my family members and friends in Spokane that would claim to be political moderates. And my argument repeatedly is that there are no political moderates in 2023. If you are neutral, you are actively not helping people that are being oppressed and thus you are on the side of the oppressor but i don't need to get into that much well no i mean the inherent evil of apathy yeah right like that's how the nazis came into power like i had nazi germany and world war ii shoved down my throat in history not the least of reasons because california was whole like very much responsible for terrible internment conditions and outing of Japanese Americans and just AAPI people in general. So like every history class that I took from sixth grade on, they were like, hey, this is what happened. We fucked up, gang. We really screwed up for like years and years. And moving out of the state, I'm finding out that other history books don't do that. Other curriculums in other states don't do that. Especially in Florida. Yeah, definitely not in Florida. And so we're repeating these terrible atrocities that we've already gone through and that other countries have already gone through, right? I thought it was ridiculous in high school that there were Holocaust deniers in the United States. Yeah. And those people are now, <laughs> like, next it's going to be armbands, you know? I'm waiting until they try to take some sort of symbol and attach it to my gender identity and make me wear some sort of, like, star or some shit. Yeah. Well, actually, kind of going back to those educational bands, that just reminds me of an actual excerpt out of the Florida Educational Equality Act, which now applies to higher education due to, again, this onslaught of bills that DeSantis signed. And it literally says the board shall include in its review a directive to each constituent university regarding its programs for any curriculum that violates the Florida Educational Equality Act or that is based on theories that systemic racism, sexism, oppression and privilege are inherent in the institutions of the United States and were created to maintain social, political and economic inequities. So it's illegal now to teach that the United States is an empire. Well, is founded on systemic racism, sexism, and oppression in general. They can't even acknowledge that. And that blows my mind because that is exactly what you were saying with, you know, the Holocaust deniers is how, how do you teach the Holocaust? How do you teach slavery? How do you teach American history and not also teach that it is a country that is based on systems of oppression? It's just, it's wild. Well, I guess that is the silver lining for the death of an empire, right? We're coming up on 250 years, Americans. Maybe we should just hope that it splits instead of whatever else is happening. Is that a positive outlook now? Because I, I was worried about it. But if we're going to be living in like a nationwide state of fascism, I'd rather die. 
What scares me with the prospect of DeSantis now running for president is that he doesn't have the base of cult-like followers that Trump has, but he holds a lot of the same ideals that Trump has, and he is a smart person, unlike Trump. And I'm worried after hearing friends and family say that they will not vote for Biden. My sister's boyfriend said, he said, I'm not voting for Biden. I'd rather not vote. And my sister even was saying, well, I might not vote either. And I was like, if you don't vote, that is a vote for DeSantis. That's a vote for whoever the Republican is. Because even if, you know, Biden is Biden and he sucks, if he's the last defense we have against a Trump or DeSantis presidency, then my God, you need to vote for him because otherwise you're voting against me and people like me everywhere. People like me in less liberal places that don't have the economic freedom to move. You know, we're discussing going to Europe or Canada or other countries, but that's a privilege that we as white Americans, as employed Americans, as Americans with the right passports and paperwork to leave have. And if there is a mass exodus of queer BIPOC Americans leaving following the 2024 presidential election, it's not going to be easy for us to go anywhere. We've seen the way that our country treated immigrants fleeing, you know, oppressive regimes. What are we to think that anybody's going to be welcoming to us as hypocrites coming from the nation that wasn't welcome to immigrants before? No, we absolutely are fucked because I we talk about having economic mobility. My hope is to just buy a ticket and hope my passport goes through and then dip, just hop around. Maybe I can join my Roma ancestors and just live between borders for a minute. But I don't speak that language because it's really complicated. I'll have to get by with Italian. Look, gang, we have good news, too. I had this pulled up because it was the one good news thing that I was hoping we'd talk about. Snohomish is holding their first Pride Fest, and that's exciting. Cameron, our intern, shout out to them, wrote about it. What do you have to say about this, Lindsay? I think it's really cute. And I love that they've recognized that Snohomish had a lot of Proud Boys at one point a couple of years ago, and that this is just like actively trying to rewrite the narrative of who Snohomish is. That they've said, you know, if people get in the way of the parade, they step into the street, they block the sidewalks, they will be arrested, but also that it's going to be a very family-friendly event. And, you know, part of me wants to argue that, you know, what is family-friendly anyways, and is it restricting freedom of speech in the queer community? But at the same time, I'm just happy Snohomish is having a Pride event. And, you know, if you want to go see butts out, come to Seattle's Pride event. You know, Snohomish can stay PG. That's okay. Yeah, if you want to see butts out, just go out on a Saturday night, like here to in Cal Seattle. Anderson Park. Yeah, hang out at Cal Anderson for a minute. Yeah, I'm stoked on that. We also have some good news from Monroe, where a uh, church and drag queen tag teamed to do rainbow bingo for charity. So there are little local things. You can make differences locally, and you can help your community locally. And if we don't focus on our local community, we only focus on what's going on outside of our control. We are forever going to be miserable right? We are a local paper first and foremost. We are here reporting on our niche. We are here for the community. Hopefully we continue to be here for the community. But you, dear listener, don't have to fret because on your home turf, you're protected and safe for the meantime, right? I'm really excited that there are things around King County and the surrounding areas that are becoming more inclusive for queer folks because Seattle is its own liberal bubble, but if the, you know, acceptance is going beyond the borders of King County or beyond the borders of Seattle in general, then that is a good sign for Washington State, right? We don't have to be so worried about the hyper-conservative pockets if there are more middling and just accepting pockets. We don't have to have high hopes for hyper-leftist ideals, right? But we can hope that eventually it's safe for everyone to go out to these places outside of the city. Yeah, it does. It does give hope that, you know, maybe we don't need to go to Canada. Maybe we can go to Snohomish when shit hits the fan because they will welcome us. Yeah. Let's end on this real quick. Just a shout out to Paul Curry and Dungeons and Drag Queens because they were on the news outside of us. They were like on cable news. And Paul is hilarious. I don't know if you've seen his stand up, but he's hilarious. Definitely have. And the drag queens that play Dungeons and Dragons in this very unique staged way are also hilarious the show is great and they're doing a tour soon which is wild it's wild that this little show that started at jai tai 
is so big after only like a year. So congrats, Paul. We'd love to have you on the show sometime so we can nerd out about goblins or some shit. Lindsay, we're just about out of time here, bud. What do you want to tell folks? Uh, just enjoy this nice weather we're having. Please don't complain about the sunshine to me anymore because I am loving it. And kiss your dog on the lips. This is funny because I was complaining about the sunshine today only because I cannot leave my apartment. Okay, that's valid. I've like, I can barely make it to the kitchen. I'm healing up well, listeners at home. I was able to stand up without immediate shooting pain today, but I don't feel comfortable going down the stairs into this beautiful courtyard garden that my new apartment place has. It's really nice. I'm like, there's a community garden that I'm really stoked to get to work on as soon as I can walk. Is your building accessible? Do you need a wheelchair? I don't have a wheelchair. The building doesn't have an elevator. But my last building had six sets of stairs to get up to the second floor where I lived. And they were definitely not accessible. At least this one's only one set of metal stairs. Yikes. I'm nervous about it. And I don't want to spend an hour on public transit to get into the office if I can't set my foot down, <laughs> you know. But yeah, gorgeous weather. Great reading weather. The one thing I have been able to unbox from my move is books, which is great because it's most of my stuff. And I've just been sitting in a chair with my leg propped up trying to organize my sci-fi from my fantasy, my fiction from my nonfiction, and my occult, weird, esoteric stuff from like the philosophy stuff. So, Well, that's basically the same thing. You know, you'd be surprised that the lines are blurred a little bit. I know you're cracking a gag, like there's a joke there, but there are some times when I'm like, okay, advanced magic for beginners is definitely esoteric, weird occult shit. But this book on Satanism is about the religion itself, but it does have weird magic stuff in it sometimes. But is it religious philosophy? Anyway, not important. You guys at home have a great day. If you're listening to this, I hope you are safe. I hope you are well. And you can follow us at Seattle Gay News on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. You can go to sgn.org and you can go ahead and buy some Pride merch. We already shilled a little bit, but, you know, why not double down, right? Anything else, Lindsay? Am I missing anything? Oh, I do have something to add, actually. Patricia update. We have settled on a theme for this year's Doggy Drag Queen outfit 2023. It has come in. It will include a blonde wig, a cowgirl dress, and a bedazzled cowgirl hat. So be on the lookout for updates. Yeah, and you can find that at radio.sgn's Instagram. That's at radio.sgn. We are going to give you some full dog drag updates because I'm not tired enough. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you in the funny pages. Radio SGN is hosted by A.V. Eichenbaum and Lindsay Anderson and produced by A.V. Eichenbaum. Music for this show was provided by TRG Banks and Jesse Spillane or was provided for free by Anchor. Thank you so much for listening. Check us out on SGN.org or wherever you find podcasts. This podcast is part of the Seattle Gay News Podcasting Network.